What is wellness? How does one practice it in the midst of a global pandemic? Today, the Breakdown crew is joined by two very special guests whom I've had the pleasure of meeting at one of their tea tasting events recently to answer those questions. In the meantime, sip slow and be well. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Infusion Breakdown Show. As always, it's your boy, Joshua Freeman. I want to say to my left, but he's not to my left. <laughs> uh, we also have Brian Carey with us. Well, we also have Desmond Tillman with us. And today we have two special guests, Miss Christina and Aaron. How's everybody doing? Wonderful. So we, we're back, episode 51, uh, virtually, of course, since uh, everything that's been going on. I'm sure everyone has heard, everyone listening has heard. Uh, hope you guys are staying safe, of course. Hope you guys are staying safe. <laughs> so, Brian, you want to take it away? The question, well, the question we have on the, um, the, question we have on the docket today, uh, how have you adapted to the practice and wellness of, how, how have you adapted to the practice wellness amid the uh, coronavirus pandemic when everyone has forced, when everyone has forced to dress the alter the way they live? So, uh, yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> so, I'm going to introduce our guest that we have. So, they are the founders of Soul Star Tea and Wellness and also the co-creators of Kui Teas, which I happen to be enjoying a cup right here. My favorite blend, my tropical cider. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, this is actually the wrong bag I grabbed. It's mahogany <laughs> roast. But anyhow, in the cup is tropical cider. And we enjoy this on the podcast on a regular basis. I introduce to you Christina Walden Hillard and Aaron Walden. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. You said, how do we practice wellness amid everything that's happening with COVID? Right? Yeah, how have you yeah. adapted to continue to practice your wellness? First, I'll just say that I think that if wellness is paramount in your life, like if that's something that you value, which we all should, then adapting your practice shouldn't be too difficult um, during these times because it's just that, it's a practice, right? So it's something that you're committed to doing daily and it doesn't have to be the same thing that you do daily. Um, your practice may shift, um, how much time you're able to dedicate to it um, may shift. Your energy throughout that practice may shift, but it's about just trying to be consistent and true to doing things that are going to support your wellness holistically or support you, know, you taking care of yourself. So I think for me, it hasn't been challenging. I mean, obviously, I think honestly, the greatest thing, the way that I see it is that now we have more space and more time in this moment with the current state of things to be able to dedicate to wellness. Right. So, you know, whereas before, you know, our lives and our schedules were a lot more demanding, you know, and we were on the go constantly. Now we're sitting still, um, which is, fantastic <laughs> so you know it's a lot more time just to kind of like get with self and you know some of my practices you know meditation prayer tea rituals we'll probably talk a little bit more about that taking walks um so on and so forth you know i just have more time for those things now which i'm really grateful for what about you Aaron? um i would say it becomes um, a lot more consistent as far as my wellness habits um, and they've just been enhanced. Um, so I'm an introvert just naturally. Um, being home is different because I'm used to being out on a weekly basis um, for one reason or another. I also have a full-time 
position that I work Monday through Friday. So having to bring my work into my home is a little different, but I'm able to do it while sipping tea the whole time if I want to. Um, and so that's pretty cool where if I want to do it in pajamas, nobody's gonna know. You can't see bottom down, you know, on a, a Zoom conference call. So um, I just say that it's, it's been enhanced because all of my practices, I'm able to do it simultaneously um, while doing other things. Nice. Now, one big thing that you guys were, were getting at is the diversity of like your wellness. And so oftentimes when people speak in terms of wellness, we instantly fixate on the physical aspect of it. But what you were speaking on, Christina, you said meditation and your tea rituals. And then Aaron, you were saying, like really taking time to focus. Those things aren't necessarily focusing on the physical, but they are uber important when it comes to like our wellness. So Josh and Desmond, how would you guys describe what you've been doing to adapt and practice your wellness as you define it yourself? Basically what Christina said, you. I feel like you should be focused on it more now that I feel because people have more time. So me, I know I like to enjoy doing things that I like to do, whether it's editing videos, whether it's going outside, playing with my dog, whether it's like uh, I, I play like sports games. So whether it's playing 2K or something like that. So it's really just doing things I really enjoy um, that really help me with my wellness. But I want to say like not a lot has really changed with me because <laughs> I mean, like, I'm an introvert too, like Aaron. So I mean, I do things really on my own. So social distancing, social distancing hasn't really been a problem with me. Like, I mean, like, hey, I mean, yeah, stay over there too. Like, don't call me a lot. <laughs> so I mean, it hasn't really been a huge change for me, but really I just, I do have more time to do those type of things, like uh, play with my dog and uh, play with my niece and, you know, do type of things that, Enhance my whole own well-being because 2020. Um, I don't know how y'all 2020 been, but <laughs> I'm not even trying about coronavirus, but just in general, it's been it's been wild. Yes, yeah. So not to interject, but I love the fact that you said like things that you just enjoy, like that that is a part of your wellness. Because what you were starting to say, Brian, like people typically think like health and wellness is like physical activity, you know, or what you're eating, and yeah. that's part of it for sure. But it's like, a fraction. Yeah, that's a fraction of exactly. So it's like, what are you doing that brings you joy? Like that's yeah. so critical to wellness. And like, it made me think of the fact that like just last night and today, like we were in the house listening to um, DJ D Nice on Instagram and like, doing these sets that are like going so hard, you know, like and so the music and just kind of like having this in-home house party has been like really lifting my spirits, and I see that as well. Absolutely. Desmond, were you listening to DJ D Nice last night? Nah. <laughs> nah, nah. He was going hard. <laughs> so what are you been doing for your particular brand of wellness? You know, man, mine is probably gonna be the exact opposite of everybody. I've actually struggled a lot during the quarantine because I've been a person uh, over the past couple of years. I've gone through like a self-excavation of myself. I actually had a, a son pretty early at 22, my junior year of um, of college at ODU. So uh, during that time frame, I kind of mastered the art of emitting energies in certain places and letting the energy within home be like kind of like a peace and calmness per se. So I've always gone to the gym to work out. I've never done anything at home. I've always kept work at work. I've never enjoyed bringing it in. Even when I was at ODU school related, I'd be at 
you know, Perry Library till three, two, three o'clock in the morning because I just did not like doing things at home. So for me to have been on that path for two years to now being resorted to having to stay inside, like when we first got the order from work, I rejected it. I kind of, uh, I stayed into the last moment. And then as a parent, I had to sink in and say, well, you know, I have to make that decision for my son first and then me second to where I'm not, you know, putting myself at risk or anything of that nature. So making that decision reluctantly, um, I mean, man, my sleep schedule fell off, my eating schedule fell off. So I've been over the past probably week it, week itself, you know, been trying to get back into waking up, uh, you know, around seven or six thirty, and getting up and then getting my son in on time because of course, as my schedules fell off, his schedules fell off as well. So he wants to stay up a little later or wake up a little later. And uh, it's just been a, it's been definitely been a challenge. Um, you know, wellness wise, there's been no change. I really got rid of my bad eating habits. Um, you know, at, towards the end of high school. So I'm still uh, eating pretty healthy. Uh, one thing I've been doing a lot more of is making sure I'm drink, getting my teas in and staying hydrated. I think the one thing that um, has been suffering, aside from everything that I've already said has been suffering, has been, uh, what, it, what was it? I just thought of it. Oh, idle time. Yeah, I've had so much idle time that my, uh, my mind has welcomed in a lot of the thoughts that I've been so good at it, not necessarily escaping, but, um, you know, kind of stopping before they even happen. So having a lot more idle time and being stuck in a room for like eight hours a day definitely has taken its toll. But one thing I've done to, uh, you know, stop that in the tracks is I kind of do a little bit of stretching, you know, every hour or I'll get up and I'll make sure I'll go check on my son or we'll read a book, uh, you know, every, every two hours to kind of just, you know, break the monotony, but it's definitely been, quarantine has definitely been a challenge for me. I'm not, I can't. You gotta can't stay, lie. you gotta stay way busier than that though. You gotta yeah. have a busy schedule from <laughs> dawn yeah. to dusk. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, your, your mind is definitely gonna wonder if you just sit there and cause you just home, like you just sitting at home. So your mind is definitely gonna yeah. wonder, yeah. Cause I, yeah, I figured you would be struggling with it because I, I know how you're always active. You like to go to the gym and everything like that. Now it's closed down. So <laughs> you're at home just sitting there. So yeah, but you have to stay way busier though. So. <laughs> it is. And the bad thing about, you know, my, it's not a bad thing, but our time is tracked. So, you know, we have these statuses in our, uh, in our workforce for ADP to where it always shows what we're doing at a given time. So we can't accumulate too much time in a certain uh, status or it looks bad or we get dinged for it. So it's definitely been like, you know, I'll, I'll ha I'm keeping, I'm very cognizant of my time and things of that nature, but it's like, I still don't have the freedom to move outside of the walls because it's everything's closed, like you said. Well, I wanna add, because I didn't want to uh, mislead you all. I'm definitely an introvert, Desmond, but I feel you um, on that note. Um, two things for me, like I said, I work another full-time job. And so my other full-time job, bringing my work to home has been very challenging for me because I'm a person who too likes to work at the office. My home is my sanctuary and the kind of work that I do nine to five Monday through Friday is very intense. And, um, and with it being as intense as it is and dealing with so many personalities, like I don't even like to have the same kind of energy um, that I typically would have at the office dealing with the kind of um, conditions that I'm dealing with, bringing it into my house. So that's been difficult. 
And then also like you, Desmond, I have a son. So for us here, um, especially stateside and all that, there's a lot of schools that are shut down for the remaining of the school year, et cetera. And so um, having to take his curriculum um, and implement it with my schedule has been very, very difficult. Um, and that's just because at the end of the day, I'm not a teacher. And uh, <laughs> with me not being a teacher, <laughs> I, you know, and trying to do a billion other things and doing it in this space that is technically not conducive, it has been difficult. So you're not by yourself at all on that. Um, what I have tried to do, similar to get away from like idle time is um, like, I told y'all I'm not like tech savvy, but I did download an app <laughs> and it's like a fitness app. So I'm like, okay, you know, pat on the back. Cause that's something I typically would not do, but um, I've done that and I've just tried to like make a point to say, hey, look, you need to read today. You need to put this time towards this book. You have some books on the shelf that you have not been able to get to because your schedule is always going. Now you have the time. So I feel like it's a bit of a blessing because it's forcing me to not be so busy. Um, it's forcing me to say, hey, look, you do have more time to dedicate to some more of your passions. So, I mean, that's, I've been looking at it. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a nice segue into something that I've actually noticed recently. So in right in light of recent events, there's two camps of people, it seems to me. Is there are the people who believe that this is a time for hustle and materializing all these different desires and things like working on your goals and, and preparing for things. Then you have other people who prioritize re relaxation and coping. And to me, it doesn't seem like either are mutually exclusive to the other. Mm -hmm. You can do both. And like when you're really doing something like working on your goals or stuff that matters to you, then that is relaxing. You might have to take a break from it even then, but it's not as taxing on you. So I think either way, whatever works for you personally and you're working on your wellness, if you're doing something to uh, better yourself, even by on a small increment basis, that's all that matters. Like if it be something like you're reading a book that you've been putting off or starting a new book that you were you, you were planning to write or I don't know reaching out to somebody who you haven't spoken to in years just anything that's contributing towards your wellness because there's there's multiple there's a multitude of dimensions like what I came across and I I believe this model it makes practical sense to me these seven di dimensions of wellness so you have physical emotional intellectual spiritual social occupational and environmental I think that's all of them and yeah there's there's so many things for you to you know just pick up one task a day and say, hey, I can do this better and this will contribute to my wellness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, it just made me think about a phone call that I had gotten from one of our partners and a friend of ours a couple of weeks ago. And this was like, you know, before everyone was at inside with the stay at home orders and she was still working her business was still open at the time and she was like you know what i've just been watching everyone like quarantine self-isolating and i'm like jealous like i want to be just at home sitting still like with my son and like not you know trying to still like hold everything up and right. so i think one thing that i've noticed in talking to different people is that the less that we resist what's happening right now, the more we'll get out of this, this time, right? So if we're resisting the fact that 
we can't go out and you know we can't do everything that we could do yesterday then we're gonna we're gonna miss this grand opportunity to be able to plant seeds that are gonna produce things on the other side so I agree I think there's just so much that we can take advantage of in this moment um, like we're gonna create what it looks like on the other side like you yeah. I think about like a pendulum like we were like way you know we were doing too much like as a as a society <laughs> like we were doing way too much like um, technology is great but even that was like you know to the to an extreme like we're producing you know maybe too much too fast and we're moving too fast and in a way that's not sustainable. So now the pendulum is swinging all the way to the other side to where we have no other choice. And eventually that's gonna create, it's gonna restore balance um, is the way that I see it, so. That's an interesting way to look at it. Oh, do you mind if I interject with a question? Oh, go ahead. Um, so I like that you were just saying about restoring balance. What does balance look like to you all? Um, especially if we're talking about um, wellness just on a holistic level what does balance look like and i would like to start with occupational because you were just going through the seven mentioned like occupational is a big one and yeah. i don't know what everybody on the call does aside from my sister <laughs> because i know what we do but um like how does it play um an effect on your occupational wellness? So from an occupational standpoint, I'm much like you guys, I'm now transitioned to working remotely. And I was a big advocate for not doing so for the longest time. I just absolutely, that's the idea. I like to isolate and have my work at the office. And once I come home, I'm not thinking about it. If I get an email, I don't look at it. If I see, happen to see it, I didn't see it. <laughs> that kind of deal. So in terms of achieving that balance, what I'm, you mean, what am, I, what am I currently doing? Or what does it look like ideally? Which one? Well, both. Okay. So ideally, once that task is finished, once my, my work day is finished, I can prioritize my stuff because I'm a very ambitious person. And so I still need time to focus on what I, what I want to materialize because I don't see the sense of you know, living my life for somebody else's dream. Mm -hmm. I'm a big believer in, in living out your own life and, and doing your thing. But so in terms of like what I'm doing to, to balance it currently is so what we do, my company, we have two stand-up meetings. So one at the beginning of the day, one at the end of the day. And so that helps like block the time off because you have like the morning call, we're on there, everyone's online. Then at the end, it's like, okay, so what'd you do today? Cool, all right, see you guys tomorrow. Then after that, I'm completely done with work. I do not look at it. And then the rest of the evening is dedicated to like my personal stuff. And so what that looks like I, in an ideal frame when I'm able to achieve that balance is that I'm be able to be productive much much similar to like my personal like my personal goals i'm able to be productive but also sustain myself in the future so it's no, it makes no sense for me to go 150 percent past my capacity and then be able to cra then crash and not be able to continue for a few months mm -hmm. as opposed to doing something where i can maintain at a steady rate and make progress towards my goal i love that uh desmond already um basically answered at his job but i'm a aba therapist um, so I, I, I basically deal with kids all day, kids with autism all day. Um, I go to their houses. So, but I've, we have had a, a option of like, we're working 
remotely, like on a computer, like like basically like this, and the kid is on the other line, and we're doing lessons. But that didn't really work for me, so I'm still going to their houses. So that's why I really say nothing as much has changed as far as me bringing my work home. Uh, I would say that the only work that I really bring home is really the notes that I have to do, but my job has really been more strict about that because that's really billing and I have to get that in um, at a certain, like a, at a, right after the session now anyway, so I don't really bring that home anymore. So I don't really bring that much work home, but as for a balance, I have a, like a schedule on my phone as far as all the stuff I have to do, uh, as far as me filming movie reviews, me filming music video reviews, me, um, going to work, my last appointment, my first appointment, how long it is, um, the leeway I have from that appointment until I'm watching my next movie. So basically my whole day is really planned out. So that's really how I have a balance. I have my, I really have a schedule, but I know a lot of people don't, can't go by a schedule. They're like, they're so spontaneous. They can't really go by a schedule. So that's really how I, how, how I do it. I have a, I have a schedule that I really try to try my best to go by, you know? Um, and then if you, if you're done with work at a certain amount of time, you have to be, make sure you're done with work. And then you go to your kids, but you have to make sure you get your work done during that time. Cause you know, there's a lot of distractions now that you're at home and everything. So yeah, that, that's, that's all it is. I have a whole bunch of, I have just a whole schedule that I follow <laughs> to make sure I stay on track. <laughs> Are you enjoying this time then Joshua? Considering and I'm actually talking about enjoying it, not just trying to get used to it or not get used to it, but are you enjoying the fact that you can do a lot more stuff around your reviews? And Because right now, it's kind of interesting. My son actually brought out a great point the other day. I was talking to him, and he said, you know, right now wouldn't be a good time for me to start my YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, okay. By the way, my son is eight. So... So I'm like, okay, we will, you know, why do you say that? And he was like, because everybody right now are, are building content because everybody has so much more time. And I said, you're absolutely right. Um, so are you finding it better because you're able to work a lot more on your reviews and building your content or, or is it something that you kind of want us to quickly pass the, as far as this pandemic? No, I, I definitely, definitely enjoy it. Uh, <laughs> the only thing I really don't like about the whole thing is people losing their jobs. That's really the only thing I really don't like about it is really people just losing their jobs. But I like the whole social distancing thing. Uh, I don't like how people, because I went to Walmart today. <laughs> I don't like going to Walmart, but I went to Walmart today <laughs> and um, I saw everybody with like a mask on. I was just like, wow, what is going on? <laughs> I was like, this is the society we're going in. <laughs> everybody just walking around with mask on. That's, that's what's happening. But um, yeah, I, I definitely do enjoy it though. I mean, because I have more, I have a little bit more time and now the kids are out of school. I, I know it's kind of bad for you guys, but I have more time with my appointments. So I get a little bit more hours. So, but I know it's kind of bad for you guys, but, <laughs> but I'm kind of playing teacher too. Cause I, I kind of play teacher to the kids too, uh, that I go to the houses too. I kind of do academic work with them too. So, but I, I do, I do enjoy it though. <laughs> I can't necessarily say that I, I enjoy it. Like I'd be, I'd be happy to get back to what normal looks like the avail the availability to go wherever you want at any given time and just enjoy things. Cause you know, like many of you, I'm an introvert as well, but I'm, I think I've on the test that I've taken, I'm right on the borderline. So I'm 51% more, I'm more introverted than 51% of people. So that's like on the brief, like right on the cusp of either one. So I have like, I can be very social, but then at the end of that, I need my time to just like recharge. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I've been, even though I can't necessarily say I enjoy this, I've definitely found this to be one of the most productive periods of my life. 
just because of the isolation and time. Like I have nothing else better to do but work on these projects. Like I just launched my own video series uh, independent of the podcast that we're doing. So much like Josh has his movie reviews and music reviews, I'm now doing the Feel the Love series, which is centered around me documenting my plant growth and my plant growing techniques and different things and questions that people might pose and then I'll expand on them. That's so sweet. yeah, I feel this is, it's, it's definitely a lot of benefit to be taken from the spirit. I, I, I will say that I did, I don't like how everybody basically thinks your hand is yucky when you like go to the store. Like, <laughs> they, they basically throw the receipt at you now. <laughs> I'm like, all right, man, chill. It's like, it's cool. But I don't like that. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> So can I ask Desmond a question? And this is just because you just said about the receipt and you were talking about the mask at Walmart. So you're in Japan and if you had to say like cultural differences or the things that we're experiencing now that you may have seen um, at some point with you living over there, what would some of those similarities be? It's funny you say that because as Josh was talking about the mask, I was like, funny thing is in Japan, that's actually like a normality. Anytime there's like a sickness or even when you are sick, you wear that mask to keep, you know, those those fluids inside and then you wear the mask as well to keep any fluids from outside coming in. So it actually does a lot more justice than it does negative. And I know kind of like, I don't know what it is, but I feel like when we follow trends, it doesn't feel right because it's not a trend that we set. I think it's kind of like, you know, almost like the American type of way. We're so used to setting the standard that following anybody else's standard is just, you know, not normal. So as far as Japan, I would say um, Japan is definitely the cleanest place I've ever lived. You know, there's, when I say there's zero, you know, there's no littering, there's no, none of that. They, they clean up after themselves and they clean up very well. Um, I think it took a lot from, for me, it took a lot for me to, uh, you know, kind of put in those practices because, you know, when you go, when you live in Japan, when you walk in anybody's house, first thing you do is you take your shoes off. You know, with me as a kid, you know, I'm running in and out of the house over time. It just, it set in. I keep those shoes on. I actually got, you know, my shoes on now. But what I did was I uh, take shoes off and then I have slippers that I put on at the door. And that was my way of, you know, making that, making that adjustment. And then the second thing is, is just, you know, everything they keep is neat. So making sure that I'm always, uh, you know, disinfecting, even at work, one thing that I always do, even before this stuff, um, even before the pandemic happened, you know, every every Tuesday and Thursday, we, we clean our desks with Lysol wipes and we make sure everything is just good to go because, you know, we don't know what's there, you know, from, from 5 p.m. until, you know, 8.30 a.m. the next morning. We don't know what's going on then. So it's just best practice to, you know, to clean up after ourselves and just do things of that nature. So that's all things that I've taken into consideration after, you know, watching how, you know, and it, I'm not sure if you're aware, but any anywhere that there's a Navy base, you know, they contract um, work to to locals. So our janitors were actually Japanese and in Italy, the, the um, you know, your mechanics and your janitors are Italian. So as we, as I got older and I kind of thought back to, you know, what, you know, our janitors were doing, they were, I mean, they do a lot more to keep things clean than what you know our janitors in the states do you know it's kind of like it's a, we look at it as like a bottom of the barrel job but to them there it's a it's a service to society and i think you know when you kind of look at it from that perspective you can always take positives from it 
and then implement it. I think that's what, you know, we should look for when you see those people wearing those masks or the gloves. It's not to, you know, say, you know, there's a contamination with society because, I mean, if there was, then you wouldn't be out there. But you have to take the precautions to make sure you are good and you're straight. And, you know, you're, you're looking out for people other than yourself. Right. A lot of the precautions that people are taking now, they seem to be very, like, common stuff. Like, you just saying, like, wiping down it's, those are things that seem very fairly regular to me like washing your hands and then wearing the mask when you're sick and preventing to go out in public so why do you, why do you guys think that that has become not the norm and this is like so like far-fetched for us to do it's like okay yeah we, we really should be doing these things when in fact we have not been doing them why is that do you think too busy i mean i was gonna say yeah, we're really fast paced yeah way too fast paced like that's I think that's what I was like alluding to or trying to say earlier is that our lives are like, we're so consumed with everything, mostly stuff that doesn't matter really, <laughs> that, you know, we can't even do basic stuff like have time to like clean your house or, you know, spend time with your kids or whatever, just basic stuff. And I think, you know, because we're not we're so consumed and so distracted that these little simple things like taking 20 seconds to wash your hands which is like good common sense practice that we don't have time for those basic things which sounds like ridiculous right that's ridiculous I, (laughs) i i do think that what one thing we overlook though is a lot of people don't know how to do these things they're like they're not taught to do these things <laughs> so a lot of people just don't know how to do it so that's why you have over 20 million views over just a hand washing video because people don't know how to wash their hands they have to go see how to because they're not really taught and i've seen it like I've, I've been in homes where like i mean kids just aren't taught to just do something like put your plate after you eat just in the kit just in the uh, sink or something simple like that or in a trash can so, I mean, that's, that's one thing we don't overlook too, but of course we, we are definitely fast paced and we're definitely too busy because we have a lot more, a lot of stuff on our hands though. I, I appreciate though that you said that because that is true, right? So you take into account like cultural differences and lifestyle differences, what people's lifestyles are like. Definitely, you know, some people may not, it may not be commonplace, right? What's commonplace for me may not be commonplace for ne- the next person. But what's great is that now that we all have this time <laughs> and there's lots of information being shared, right? Now it's like you can take time to teach your kids, you know, chores or uh, hygiene. You, you would think that, you would think that, but Brian said there's two type of people, people who think, <laughs> who take this time just to chill and relax. <laughs> and it's people who like to prepare. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's, a, that's an optimistic way to look at it, to say that, okay, now we can utilize this time to reinforce these things and put them into practice but it just as someone who was brought up like that like knowing the basics of hygiene and how to do those things it just it just struck me as odd that people weren't doing those things i think we're lazy too (laughs) it's funny because um as you were christina talking about the busyness Factor. I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'm with you on that. You used the word distracted. Yeah. And then when Josh just brought up, like, not everybody knows how to do it. Absolutely. But then I'm like, we're also lazy. And I think the laziness has kind of, and again, this is a cultural, I mean, difference. And when I'm speaking of culture, I'm speaking of American culture. I think that we've had a lot of privileges 
to a certain degree that um, it, it, even, even this idea of, hey, I'm in Japan, it's a norm to see people perhaps walking around with masks on and they're trying to prevent whatever germs that they may have, especially if they're under the weather or whatever, from being in contact with anybody else. I get it. It makes complete sense to me. However, I think that here in America, we've gotten by without having huge pandemics or, or epidemics, I should say, from really affecting us, right? And so I'm speaking with regards to physical health. I think when you have this idea that it's not going to affect me, you just become like lax about it. And so that's what I mean, like as far as a certain idea of like laziness, just not following through because you feel like it's not gonna touch you. And so again, I don't know if privilege is the best word, but that's the word that's coming to mind. It's like even this privilege of, hey, we don't really have, you know, uh, malaria and this, this and that, or we have all the hospitals and stuff and we can get our, you know, like when you have this idea, like you're untouchable in a sense, it's like you don't take as many precautions. Yeah, because this is unprecedented. Like a lot of people, I feel like they didn't take it as seriously as I would have liked, as, as we would have liked to. But I really started to notice personally that things were getting real when they started closing down schools and like big companies and things like that for the span of two weeks and then extend it past that because there's no point in our nation's history that that has ever happened before. And when you start seeing the things that have never happened before, it really starts to sink in. It's like, wow, this is this is reality. This is what it's becoming. This is kind of the, this is because this is the kind of the first time we haven't been in control as uh, as humans basically yeah. of our situation <laughs> basically the first on time. this kind of scale yeah on this kind of scale yeah that's that's why yeah. i think that's what's driving people crazy yeah like, they're not in control people that are really having a hard time with this is because they're not in control yeah they don't know what to do there's no vaccine yeah <laughs> so uh, uh christina did you did you say that you i know that you said some of the things that you practice but did you say that you enjoyed with the how it is now like being at home you do oh okay (laughs) i enjoy it but i say even more than um enjoying it i mean obviously i wish that i could do some things that you know i was used to doing you know without having um these restrictions or having to plan ahead to do certain things um obviously i wish that i could you know see more family and friends we don't know when we're going to be able to go out and do that but I do enjoy it because I think, I think this is what was needed. Like now, I'm not saying like, oh, a pandemic was needed or something like that. That's not what I'm saying. But I do think that we needed to slow down. We needed to be still. We needed to pause. We needed to, something needed to happen. I mean, if we had chosen to do it on our own, if we collectively had become more conscious and taking this time to like reconnect with ourselves and like to reconnect with our families and um, to elevate spiritually, you know, mentally, whatever, then, then great, right? But the fact of the matter is, I think that as a whole, collectively, that was not happening. And it's not sustainable to use, you know, how Brian was speaking about sustainability. I talk about sustainability all the time because it's not just and what I'm doing now, is, is that going to work for now? It's like, is it going to work for like down the road? You know, how is it going to impact, you know, what your life looks five years from now, 10 years from now? How is it going to impact 
um, our society at large, how it's going to impact our, our environment. And so I think that the way that we've been living has just, it's not sustainable. So I am enjoying this moment because it is allowing us to get to a place that's going to create a more, a simpler way, a more sustainable uh, lifestyle. And I think I've had some practice. Obviously, I'm a full-time business owner. And what my schedule looks like on a day-to-day -day basis is different from someone that clocks in at a job, right? So I have a bit more flexibility, a bit more control over that. So I've had a bit more practice with some days sitting still and, you know, whatever that may be. But I'm grateful for it. And I hope that we make the most of it. Yeah, that's, that's good. Um, so another thing I want to ask, like, especially someone like Desmond, because I want to hear what, what, what he has to say. <laughs> well, everybody can answer it, but what if this lasts? Like, what, what, what if this lasts until 2021? What, what, what will you do? <laughs> <laughs> what, what, how will you adapt to the current situation? Like, you just adapt. <laughs> like, that's not, the only thing you can do. And I think, like, the, the greatest measure of any human is their ability to adapt. So has it been a struggle for me? Yeah, because I've been so, so structured and scheduled based off of what keeps me mentally healthy. So anything that varies from that has been more of like a, you know, a little bit over-exaggerated culture shock. So one thing that I do is like, I'm setting more of a structure with my son because I've never had that structure with him. It's always been, I pick him up at five on the days that I have him. And then I drop him off at daycare at uh, like 7.45 on the next morning. So having him from sundown to, you know, 4 p.m. when his mom comes gets him and, you know, me getting him at 1 p.m. and then keeping him till 4 p.m. the next day, like that's, uh, it's, it's new altogether. So it's not, it's not, I'm not just impacted because my schedule has shifted from what had so much structure. It shifted so much and then I had new responsibilities thrown on me as well because what a daycare provider used to do, I'm now learning how to do two years later. You know, it's I, I could be a dad, you know, cook him dinner, read him a story, give him a shower, be emotionally supportive, but now I have to, you know, structure his idle time just as much as I structure my idle time and make sure that he's not, you know, glued to a TV or a tablet or a phone, you know, typically as we've grown up to do. So it's definitely thinking, you know, long term in the sense of not letting my own struggle of trying to reestablish what for me had become the norm and then becoming dismissive of things that he still needs to learn as a two-year-old because, you know, as we all know at that age, that's when they're, they're sponges there. They're taking up so much data just as we all do. And they emit that back, you know, I, I always said the terrible twos is a terrible twos because that kid is just putting out that energy that he's been receiving. So, you know, it's definitely been a challenge because I've had to keep myself in check 24 seven now, but it's also a blessing as well because, you know, I, I realized that I've had to put things aside so I can rebuild the foundation. So when I do go back to work, it's just, it's like nothing ever happened. Or when I do go back to the office, like nothing ever happened. So, you know, I've always been really good at adapting. I think that just with having to adapt now with a kid and, you know, bringing work into environments that were, you know, previously untouchable, it's been a shock. It hasn't necessarily knocked me completely off my rocker, but it's forced a, like, you know, it's, it's caused a reset of how I do things. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, like, you just said Desmond as far as us as humans adapting um, and going a little bit further on a couple of our lives that we've done for the company. I 
say how important it is that whatever your practices for wellness are, that you want to make sure that you're emulating that, especially for children, um, but really anybody who may otherwise not be as good as adapting, okay? So it's like, you want to make sure that you're exemplifying that because then they can hopefully be able to transition a lot easier as well. And so one of the things that I do, this is gonna sound super idealistic and very QT like, but I drink teas with my son. And matter of fact, just before this video, I didn't do a good job because he was like, I want some tea to drink. And I was like, eat it, kid. Like, you have to go do something else because <laughs> I had this interview. But no, but seriously, like, you know, that's a practice that we do. And we do that because, again, it helps to slow them down, bring that calmness, that sense of, hey, I'm just enjoying this tea. Um, it's not anything that's going to get me all hopped up. And then I do it without like having news on in the background or without anything that would otherwise stir him. And I feel like you have to do the same thing, especially around persons that you know are like highly anxious at this time. Um, but yeah, I agree. It's just a matter of adapting. You will do it, period. That's, we have no choice. If you don't adapt, you will otherwise perish, which, you know, we don't want to happen. <laughs> Yeah, it's so crazy you say that too because one thing I've done with my son is we don't watch TV during breakfast anymore. I'll go to YouTube and I'll play like Marvin Gaye or the Commodores or Al Green or something like that really just sets the mood. And like I called him two days ago. It's something I've been doing for like uh, like a week now. And like he'll be nodding his head and he's like he's two years old. He's very, very, very in touch with music, but he's always been like new music. So for me to pull something that, you know, was out when I wasn't even thought of, and for him to like actually accept it has been cool. Cause I, when my, um, in 2011, when my pop-up passed, he has like, you know, hundreds of records, like actual vinyls. And, you know, one thing that I used to do as like, a, as a, you know, late teen, like getting in touch with my creative process was very, very music centric. So I realized that just, you know, how much the TV can dole that creative process and just how, how abstract your thoughts can be. I kind of like recentered it in and like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna push TV to the side. I'm gonna let you have the TV, but we're gonna be listening to music. We're not gonna be we're not gonna watch, you know, three, four hours of Disney Junior, then you take a nap and then watch three, four more hours of Disney Junior. It's gonna be everything has to be sectioned. What you gonna say, Josh? I know I I cut you off. No, no, no. I was, I was saying, I was agreeing with you. <laughs> I was going to respond to what you had said, though, Joshua. I think um, I agree about the adapting, and I think that there is going to be a new normal, right? It's not going to be like how things were before. Just it, it can't be. Um, but I think also that some things are inevitable. Like there are going to be some changes, like even how people work, like. Now industries that never thought of, you know, teleworking are going to realize, okay, you know, our employees can telework, you know, um, maybe they don't have to work a full 40 hour shift. There are going to be things that like that, that change, but I think human nature is going to kick in. So some things are like, if they try to keep this social distancing going for so long, people are just going to get out anyway, like just naturally. They're not going to stay in their homes forever. I mean, they're doing that now, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly right? Like the kids yeah. running or like out on the basketball court, you know, it's human nature. Like people are going to connect. <laughs> they're going to get together. So. 
Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely adapt. Yeah, I got you. What do you think, Brian? You, you, uh, <laughs> well, I think that we as a collective, we are going to adapt in terms of well, what, what Christine was just touching on, like workplace, in terms of people rotating their staff and having different amounts of people in the office. But I think the major thing we're going to start to experience is precautions being put into place that this doesn't happen again, because you could think about just how much money was lost during this current pandemic and money drives decisions. And so if anyone has been monitoring the stock market, I don't know if any of you have, but you can just see like the numbers have continued to go down and down and down. And then like you may have a few exceptions of like the people who are the companies who sell these supplies that were that are needed this time or even some other like particular stocks like Uber had a spike for a little while and now it's on the, the decline again. But people are losing money. And so like I said, that drives the policy and I can foresee them taking more precautions, them taking sick leave more seriously. And you know, if you have a sniffle, like just go home. And hopefully I, the people will begin to practice these things more often and be more hygienic and just be more appreciative of what we do have, like the freedoms that we do enjoy. Because right now we're kind of limited as I continue to look out the window and see the trees outside and just want to go out again. But yeah, so I, I kind of, that's, that's what I foresee in the future. I do think that it's going to be this way for longer than we would like for it to be. Like I could, I could realistically see through the end of this year. I really don't want to, but it's not unreasonable. You mentioned 2021. I could see that. Yeah, I'm gonna look like a moon by the time it's like all set and done. Like right now, it's gonna look kind of normal. The next time, it look all crazy. But I agree. I think I think going to what you just said, along with um, as far as Christina talking about why this needs to happen, policies are real important. Why we have to kind of go through this? It's gonna affect everything as far as social security goes. Um, it's going to affect housing. Um, and, and I speak because from a standpoint that I work with um, persons who are not housed and or who are experiencing homelessness. And so, again, it's putting this reality on, I think, just people as a whole, um, because, as you know, even for persons who are renters or whatever, they cannot be evicted at this time. Um, things like your utilities, they can't cut off your utilities at this time because we understand that there's so many people who are experiencing job loss um, and their income is changing on account of what's going on. All that stuff is really important and it's really important to look at it. So like you said, I think there's going to be a lot of preventative measures that are going to affect just policy as a whole and that needs to happen. If we're, you know, I'm not going to go into like politics about it, but that's, there's a lot of things that do need to change. So. So, yeah. so that made me, I'm sorry, think to ask, like, what do you all hope will come out of this? Like, what one or two things, you know, grand things you hope will be the outcome? With Christina, I mean, not Christina, Aaron and Desmond, kind of what you guys alluded to earlier with the care of your children, is I, I would like for people to see how interconnected we are. Because like Desmond was saying, establishing a routine for his son, and then Aaron said, well, for people who are around you, they might not be as well as adapting. Like what we do matters and affects other people. So I think that's a huge takeaway that just by instantiating certain behaviors or practices or just striving to be the best versions of ourselves, the people around us, they're indirect beneficiaries of that as well. From it, my bad, Josh. One there thing I hope to come from it is a, uh, like a more skilled workforce to where people aren't just one dimensional. I think it's going to put forth the, um, the notion that you need to take education more serious. You need to, you know, polish all the tools in the, you know, in the toolbox instead of just that one that's been working for you. 
I hope that's one thing that comes from it because I know just from from me, you know, ADP isn't a job that I want. I've actually, we took such a long hiatus from doing this because I was studying for the LSAT. And with them closing down campuses, you know, there hasn't been a rescheduled date for my LSAT. So, you know, it's definitely given me the time frame to, you know, kind of recenter and get back into the swing of things. Because for me, I studied at work. Like I, I had a set structure at work to where, you know, I would, I would place my breaks strategically to where I could get, um, you know, two hours of studying and I work one hour before 12, before 12 p.m. and then one hour before 5 p.m. So, you know, I, it's, it's definitely brought to my attention that, you know, as fortunate as I am to still, you know, have a paycheck every two weeks, you know, for your, you know, for your society that is, you know, very, very, this, um, very, very, how do I want it for it? Because I don't want to, I don't, I want to say, I don't want to make it seem like it's a do or die situation, but for people that are, who structured their living around tips and things of that nature, you kind of see now that as people have gone to takeout or things like that, that's, that's affected, you know, their livelihood. Cause I mean, yes, you know, rent maybe get, get pushed back, you know, two or three months, but what do we do if it does go into 2021? You know, there's, there's, there's definitely still a workforce, you know, absent of the medical field that, you know, people are still going to be flourishing in, but you know, at what point does society, you know, take its full hit, and those that aren't in these essential roles or in vital roles that they just no longer have a have a have any room for them. So how do you define essential? Because I think what we're starting to see now is that people who are traditionally considered non-essential, like the, the people who work at the grocery stores and restaurants and things like that, we're starting to see how important they really are and how much of a, a impact they have on our lives when they are removed. So I think that going back to what I was saying about how interconnected we are, just realizing how essential everyone really is in their own different facets of what they're what they happen to be providing to society right but i and i don't i don't disagree with that but we'll also we could also look at something as essential as what needs to happen for society to function you know you don't need a server in a restaurant because we've seen now that you, even before this happened you have your um you have your uber eats you have your grub hubs you have your postmates things of that nature are flourishing even more now with everything that's happening you know, it's there. You don't need an interior decorator right now because everybody's at home. We're just ordering stuff online. We have the website. We have we have you know the World Wide Web tool. We can go and do our own research now instead of paying somebody to do it. So any of those any of those um, you know roles in society to where people did it because people do them because they realize the workforce doesn't have time to do it. Now that the workforce has time to do it, they've seen a, a cut in you know in in their in their volume of work. Like my dad, he's fortunate enough to, I mean, he's retired Navy, but you know, he cuts grass. Nobody still, nobody wants to cut grass though. So nobody goes outside, but you know, for your, for your painter or anything like that, like people that, that want to do those DIY projects, they now have the time to do it. And not to say that painter was very, very, you know, thrown at, thrown at the wall, but you know. How do you feel about that? How do I feel about it? Yeah like actually feel about it and i'm just kind of going back to like brian just talking about the interconnectedness because well first before you start to answer um as you were describing all that it makes me think about like all of the grocery stores doing the little self-checkout right and so i've mentioned a couple of times already that i'm not like tech savvy i'm using it now 
<laughs> I go through the self-checkout without a problem. I don't need any help. But um, it, it was one of those things for me that I, even as much as I keep to myself and I'm not real big to like just spark up a conversation while I'm standing around, I'm like that personal um, kind of touch that happens by way of a smile or somebody asking me how my day was or whatever in line is now gone. Now, I'm, I just take the option to just slide out. So um, I re recognize that it changed a little bit for me, um, even though there's that part of me that wants to just kind of be incognito and just move about and just be stealth, you know, without talking to a lot of people. Like at the same time, I'm like, what if the servers were gone? Like I go to a restaurant <laughs> and I can just pay at the table, which you can't do now, you know, they have the little computer and you do everything. What if there was no necessarily server, it's just the person who comes and drops off your meal and keep it going? How do you actually feel about that? Um, from an economical standpoint, I think it's, I don't, I can't really speak on it because it's not my forte. I think that from what you're saying is a lot of how I have a resentment with it is um, my job before, two jobs before this, I was a manager at Cloud9. And one thing that I actually agreed with our managers, we're a feel good society where we tend to pay for experiences. And so I think when you have an absence of waiters, waiters, waiters in a way they create that experience. Waiters are really a part of the reason why certain restaurants are able to keep their certain, you know, status of or, or certain you know select customers to come in and out because they come to see that one waiter or they come to see that one bartender i think when you kind of remove the the personality of a place it puts everybody on an even playing field and you're now just solely focused on your quality at work so i think it could give you know it, it could open doors for where you kind of get that quality over quantity aspect where you're pushing out actual quality service or quality good rather than just focus on the amount of people that are coming in and out of the doors and you know equate to your dollar signs i gives i think it gives you know restaurants a chance to while they might take a hit they might understand like okay now it is really essential for us to get it right because what we were pushing at one point might not be it like i think it it could potentially you know kind of see like um like a rebranding of small businesses in a sense of you know what what people tend to what people will look at now, they might not choose that, you know, that big five-star restaurant now, because when they go to that restaurant, they're not, they realize how much more of a, of a connection they'll get with a, with somebody from a small business, because now you know who runs that business, you know that person, you know them on a first name basis. It creates that, that more sense of genuineness, and I guess you could say realness at the same time, because I know me from a person, one thing I would like to say, no matter, regard, regardless of my status, I always want to be relatable and I think people will always want to be around someone they can spark up a conversation with and be relatable. Yeah, one of one of the things on that note of what um what you were just saying about small businesses, that is kind of one of my big hopes is that there will be more appreciation for small businesses and more support and resources for small businesses as a small business ourselves. I mean, we've definitely been impacted by this. And so many other small business owners that we know have really taken a hit, you know? So we are having to adjust, you know, how we provide service and do some rebranding and things like that, which is great, right? Because 
I think in business, you're always having to do that anyway. Um, but I do hope that people come out of this with like a greater appreciation, like these businesses that are like really like, it makes our community what it is, right? You know, if we didn't have, you know, the local cafe, the coffee shop, you know, tea spot that you go to um, on a daily basis, like you don't have that in your life, you know, that would really impact your, I guess your well-being, you know, like how you feel on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, that's part of your ritual um, to be able to go in and get your, your morning tea or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, that's really, really my hope. I think, you know, we can do things digitally, you know, to use our business, for example, you know, we have different service models. So we have, you know, we do events and we do a lot of in-person service where we get to interact with our customers and give them that full tea experience. And it's very experiential, you know, it's very multi-sensory. It's very much like, you know, the feeling that you get from that. And we sell online as well. And obviously, you know, you can go online and get some of our tea any, any day, right? And it'll get shipped to your door and that's great. You're still gonna get, you know, great product, you know, quality, but you're not gonna get that in-person experience that so many people have um, grown used to having. So I think, you know, the one thing that you were saying, Aaron, about, you were asking him, well, how does he feel like, you know, if the server was gone away, that sort of thing. I think people will become way more antisocial. We've seen that already because of technology, people have become way more antisocial. But I think that'll lead to a lot more uh, depression and mental health issues. Um, the more that our society becomes antisocial, you're gonna see a rise in mental health um, depression and you know so on and so forth anxiety um, because the connection aren't there yeah because people will be more on social media you know social mm -hmm. media is yeah <laughs> I, I didn't answer the question about um what did i hope to come out of it I, I just really what i hope to come out of it is basically just people taking care of themselves like learning more how to take care of themselves because i mean whether it's what they uh, touch uh, germs whether it's what they eat just is different ways to take care of yourselves and people just don't they just go by the wayside just eat whatever I mean I think this started because somebody ate something which was not supposed to be <laughs> eaten I think that's how it started to be if I'm if I'm mistaken but yeah just just taking care of their bodies brothers what they eat or basically what they do wellness basically so <laughs> yeah <laughs> I would just add to that to on the wellness piece like mindfulness and I think that goes into it right when you're more mindful um, you're mindful of what you're doing and what your daily practice looks like that's going to support your own um, holistic health physical health mental health emotional health so on and you're going to be more mindful of what your interactions are like with other people and how how you move about and how you interact, how that impacts other people's lives to talk about the interconnectedness that Brian was talking about earlier. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Uh, I mean- But not we're not gonna conclude there. Don't conclude oh, there. Oh, I, okay. I, I, yeah, yeah, we're not gonna <laughs> we're conclude not there. like that. Oh, yeah, okay. these are, this question I wrote down, I wrote it down probably, you know, as you guys began to talk, this was the one thing that, the energy that came off of me, so it will be directed to you two ladies. Uh, what clicked or gave in in order for you to become more wellness centered kind of in all aspects? What what clicked or what forced you to make that adjustment? Can you repeat it, Desmond? Yeah. Yes, ma'am. 
what clicked or gave in in order for you to become more wellness centered? All overall, it could be mental, it could be physical, emotional, spiritual, whatever, however you want to describe it. What clicked? Because I know for me, for example, just to kind of give you like a example, what what gave in for me was the feeling of being sick and tired of being sick and tired. So that forced me to think, okay, I only have X amount of days to live. I need to get everything right while I have the chance. I need to focus on X, Y, and Z. What, what was that moment like for you? I love that question. So for me, it wasn't one moment in time and it wasn't just one particular incident or occurrence. Um, that created this mindfulness about wellness, um, wellness. but I, I can't think of um, a particular point in time in my life that made me more committed to creating a life that was more sustainable. So, and I always think about quality of life, right? Because, you know, there's an expiration date on all of our lives. You know, we don't know when it's going to be, so we're not going to live forever. Hopefully we can live a long time. <laughs> But we want, you know, our lives to be quality, you know, while we're here. We want to enjoy ourselves and be peaceful and healthy and well um, and all that good stuff. But I think there was, you know, before going into full-time entrepreneurship, um, I worked, you know, a nine-to-five or not even just nine-to-five, you know, um, for many years. I worked in nonprofit social service sector. Aaron and I both um are in that world or we're in that world um, where we're servicing people. And so um, for many years, I was working with youth, um, really at risk, as they say, vulnerable populations. And, you know, although that was a passion, that for a time took a lot out of me. And then um, it came a time where I was traveling nonstop for work training. And that was, you know, when you talk about traveling, you know, people say, oh my gosh, like, it seems so luxurious. You get to travel for your job. And I'm like, it's not what you think it is, right? Work <laughs> travel is way different. So that for me was like a point in my life where the nonstop travel, like one city, one state to the next on a constant basis without being home. Um, that was like, I realized this is not sustainable for me at all. Like it wasn't sustainable for my physical health and wellness, my mental health. I wasn't able to connect with people as much as I wanted and needed to. So um, that was kind of a, a critical point for me, I think, because I was experiencing some health challenges because of how my schedule was. Um, and and, I, and I, I just didn't feel like, you know, totally well. So I had to, um, and I was working a job, so it wasn't like I had full control over that. So it came to a point where I had to advocate for myself to say, I, this is not going to work for me anymore. Like, I, I can still do, you know, I could still be an asset um, to the company, but I cannot continue to do this because my wellness is more important than, you know, whatever, you know, like me making a dollar, like I need to, I need to be able to, so that was like a point for me where it's like a commitment to creating a life of more sustainable, a more sustainable life of wellness. Um, and so now every day I'm thinking about like, now that I, that I get to create my own schedule and what that looks like, sometimes, you know, in business, you can push yourself to the, to the brink. Cause you're like, who's going to do it if I, if I don't do it, you know, like I have to have to be the one to do everything. But 
I'm like, I could have done that working for someone else. So now that I have more control and flexibility, if I need to take a break, then I'm going to build in time for a break, you know, um, because I, because I know in the long run, it's going to, it's going to have better effects for me. I would agree um, with a lot of what you said, Christina. Um, do you want me to answer the question too? Please, please make it personal. <laughs> well, for it, you need to yourself, not too personal, but no. <laughs> okay. quick Yeah, I might be TMI, so let me. <laughs> no, um, I would say for me, um, similar to Christina, I've had different points in my life, but um, one very early for me was that I always looked to the elders, and so very similar to what Christina just said, it was kind of this idea of um, if I saw an elder whose life that I wanted mine to kind of resemble, what are the steps that I need to take to get to that? And everybody who I looked at um, as far as looking up to, um, it would be people who had their holistic wellness together. So um, they were usually very um, spiritually, um, intellectually astute, like they, they usually had the nice house and cars and stuff, they would be like the means to get there, but they would be like the most humble people. Um, even when I was a child, the job that I said that I wanted was to be a philanthropist. Like, that's not a job for one, but for two, <laughs> it was like, who's talking about being a philanthropist? And I always knew that I wanted to make a difference with other people as far as really, I feel like everybody should have the opportunity to like live well. And so because of that, um, whenever I encountered other people who did not seem to feel within themselves that they could live well, um, or they weren't happy or whatever, I was always the type of person like, okay, let's, let's discuss your motivations. Let's discuss having a different perspective. How can I help you? How can, you know, we achieve this together type of thing. So very idealistic, but I think it happened, it started very early on in my life, but that would be looking to, to different elders where I got this idea of what does overall wellness look like. Okay. So taking all that into consideration as far as wanting to help other people, do you ever have, as an introvert, a sense of confliction with helping other people? Like, do you ever feel drained after doing it? Do you, sure. it, <laughs> like, always torn, do I want to experience this again? And then it's always, the, I guess you could say, for me, it's the, as much as I hate the draining feeling, it's the gratification of doing versus the feeling. Absolutely. That's it in a nutshell, what you just said. Um, Christina spoke to the fact that both she and I have had long histories of working in the human service field. Um, but even with our tea company, um, we look at ourselves as tea, tea tenders, is what we call ourselves, like bartenders, but tea tenders. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's an act of service. And to be able to get on platforms such as you all's platform um, to discuss like the medicinal benefits, to discuss just overall wellness, especially with the practice of drinking tea is our way of doing service for other. And we get the most gratification from 
hearing other people say, oh my goodness, you know what, now we started this ritual and we do this with our tea and we're so excited to steep tea now and <laughs> your tea is so good and it tastes awesome and all that kind of good stuff. Brian told us that when we <laughs> for the first time in person. But no, but seriously, like, you know, that brings us a lot of joy. Um, and so, yeah, the gratification is always in being able to serve others because going back to that interconnectedness that Brian's talking about, you can't do it without others, period. Yeah, absolutely. And what you guys do, the service that you provide, it, it falls under the umbrella of being part of a, a cornerstone of a community. For example, what you were doing with the Family Village Festival, and that's delayed to this June, so hopefully we'll all be there again. But so just bringing together these different vendors and these people who work in the same sector of wellness and just, like I said, being a pillar of the community, that's something that's definitely needed. And so you, you gotta, like Desmond was saying, weigh the pros and the cons of it, and you get more gratification from it than it drains from you, then it's a go. It's absolutely a go. So it's worth every minute of it. It is. I think that's, like, we're all here to be of service in some way, right? And all of our, you know, acts of service, you know, they may be different, they look different, but how can we spend our time on this planet doing something that's good for ourselves as well as for other people? And so I think that a lot of, um, you had mentioned humble, the elders, right, Erin? So I think it's a sense of humility to be able to be of service to other people to of service to a greater good is really humbling. Um, and it does make it worth it. Even when it gets tiring, <laughs> it makes it worth it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Does be anything else you wanna add? Yeah, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll finish it off with this. Um, we've talked about business to an extent, we've talked about society. One thing that my 2020, I've always wanted to get back in touch with was my inner child. And I think with that inner child becomes a certain creative process. So what does your creative process look like? You know, of course, with being business owners and it being in, you know, essentially how I look at tea, even when I make it on my own, it's an art. And I think, you know, over time you break down that art to make it so different and unique and innovative than, you know, what, you know, the status quo may be or what, you know, whoever your other um, com competitors, your competitors may be, um, what does that creative process look for, look like for either both of you or for, you know, each individual person? So T absolutely is an art, um, every step of the process, right? So for us, um, well, for the, for the lay person, you know, anyone, you know, making tea at home, it's already a process, you know, it's, you know, boiling your water, waiting for the water to boil. And it teaches us a lot about mindfulness, you know, um, taking the time to steep your tea, you know, it's all a process. You have to wait for it, you know, use the right temperatures, steep it just long enough, but not too long to create the perfect cup, you know, the right conditions that are gonna produce the optimal outcome on your cup of tea. But for us, we're so, you know, as tea tenders, as tea artisans, we're so involved in all the intricacies of it, you know, every single ingredient, we're meticulous about what ingredients we choose and what ingredients we blend together and what that's gonna create in terms of the taste on your palate and how that's gonna support your wellness in a particular way. Um, when we put certain herbs together, certain spices, you know, or, or different things to blend in the teas. So it's very, very much creative and artistic process, you know, because it's multi-century. So it's 
the colors and the smells and the taste and it's things that are in nature that influence us to create uh, different tea blends and and then it's and then it's the process of like interacting with other people and people are like asking us you know for certain things or this is what i need for this or how can this support this so that um engages us creatively as well to constantly be thinking of new teas that cre we can create and and even new ways to be of service you know within our field um we do a lot of ritual um that's something that aaron and i are big on and that's a big part of how we deliver tea um you know, there's lots of tea that you can get in the world. Not all of it is, you know, premium kiwi teas, but, you know, you can get lots of tea in the world, but um, the service that we provide, I think, is a big part of our artistic and creative process um, because the soul that we put into, that's what we call our Soul Star Tea and Wellness. That's the name of our company. The soul that we put into it is going to be different um, from some, how someone else does. We're very intentional about that, and that is all a part of the creative process for us. The energy exchange between us and people too is is huge. I love that. I don't know if I answered your question, but that's what came to me. No, you didn't. <laughs> no, I think you answered it. Okay. But yes, Christina, Aaron, thank you for coming on the uh, podcast. I, were I really you boring? <laughs> you said, "What well, were you boring?" Yeah. More yeah. from it. <laughs> no, that was probably one of the best episodes we've done. Three episodes. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, you guys are. Yeah, you guys are awesome. <laughs> Please come back. Oh, thank you. We love to. We love to play cards with humanity next. Time. <laughs> yeah. Cards against humanity. We will definitely be collaborating with you all in the future. Okay. Thank you. Look forward to it. Yeah. You all seem like really great people that you know, respectively, are doing great things. Uh, you know, doing great things in the world. So thank you for being y'all and for having this platform and for having us. <laughs> no problem. Of course. <laughs> yeah, thanks again for joining us. Absolutely. But yeah, we're going to wrap up. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. <laughs>